Hello, and welcome to episode 414 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And one of my favorite weekends of the year is in the books. It was preseason week one. Truly a great time to be alive. And, and not just for preseason DFS, aka God's Game, which went really well, I think, but also because we learned a lot about a few, and actually a fistful, maybe five to 10 situations that we're going to talk about here on today's show. Evan, how's it going? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, tons of changes to the top 150 over the past few days. A lot, you know, vast majority based on that first week of preseason. I had a real nice night, uh, preseason DFS on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to give a couple of, um, uh, and it looked like a, a lot of subscribers had a lot of success too. Hopefully we can, we can keep that up. Um, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs though to first to Adam for beating Brandon Adams, who's an absolute stud athlete. I met him at, uh, at the uh, DraftKings MLB event a couple of years ago. I mean, dude is in like tip top shape, you know, and I, I can't believe that you, you, I mean, you crushed him. Yeah. Yep. Four set win this morning. Shout out uh, to me over Brandon. I, I've been playing an incredible amount of tennis uh, the last three or four months though with my coach Greg. So yeah, it was great to get the win today awesome. for sure. Yeah. And I also want to shout out Dave Holmes. I mean, this guy is on an absolute heater uh, when it comes to the ETR video stuff. I mean, the, the last thing he just put up about uh, our, our upcoming draft uh, tomorrow, you know, yep. we're recording this on Tuesday and we're doing it tomorrow evening. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, but you got to, you guys got to check out the video that he put out because it's it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. it, it makes me look like an asshole, but <laughs> but it's it, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, head to Twitter to check out the preview video for tomorrow night's Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're doing a 2K buy-in, me, Silva, and Leone chopping up a team here in a 2K buy-in, and we'll live stream that for the fans. Should be good. On today's show, we are going to go over the news of the last week. And honestly, like a big part of this is understanding what's actually news and what isn't. Because I think if you're overreacting to preseason camp news and snap counts, like you're losing, right? But if you're also completely ignoring preseason camp news and snap counts, if you're ignoring it and you say preseason doesn't matter, well, you don't get it either. And I want you in my league. So understanding what matters and what doesn't is our job. We're here to convey that to you. Speaking of which, I know you all have drafts coming up. You're going to see a ton of people pushing their rankings. Everyone's got rankings. Uh, no, I've seen some outrageous stuff out there from people, but no one takes them as serious as us and puts in as much work as us to make sure our rankings are as strong as possible. We have a team of full-blown virgins, handpicked by Silva and I. We're following every bit of news, updating their target shares, carrier projections, literally down to the decimal point. All of that flows through to our rankings so that make sure that when your draft comes, you have the most up-to-date info. Also, note this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They have this absurd... Two million to first, one million to second place fantasy tournament running right now. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. It really is a ridiculous contest, $25 buy-in. It's also really, really good practice for your home league. So visit Underdog Fantasy, promo code ETR for 100 in free entries. All right, Evan. I, I mean, I think we saw this coming. Uh, maybe not to this degree, but I think we saw this kind of coming on Antonio Gibson. I mean, we were real light on him because we knew they made a very, very strong effort to get J.D. McKissick back and got him back. Then they use a third-round pick on Brian Robinson. They were telling us, based on this and based on the way Antonio Gibson was used for a lot of last year, they're not in love with him. Antonio Gibson did start the first preseason game, fumbles five snaps into it, gets benched, doesn't come back out until after the Carson Wentz group leaves. Meanwhile, Brian Robinson looks like a stud out there. And now, practice on Tuesday, Antonio Gibson is on the punt gunner team. 
Okay. So, I mean, it's getting really bad for Antonio Gibson. His ADP is obviously going to tank. I still don't even know if I really want a piece of him. What was your reaction to all the Washington running back stuff? Well, my first reaction was to put uh, a sprinkle on Brian Robinson to win O'Roy at 100 to 1. Um, but my, my second was rea reaction was to move uh, Antonio Gibson way down, you know, further down. And we, I was already below ADP on him. Um, but I moved him down significantly. And Brian Robinson is now firmly in the top 150. Um, you know, what they did is they essentially on Monday – or really on Tuesday after the game, they essentially switched the roles of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson at following the fumble. You remember Antonio Gibson led the NFL in fumbles last year, and he also left a ton of yards on the field. And that's why the commanders have been so down on him. Um, and I mean, look, they, they gave him an opportunity. He went out there and he, he flubbed it. So now they're going to move on to the third round pick, Brian Robinson, give him a shot to become the starter. And I think it's, it's legitimate. Yeah. Um, and I think that he has, you know, Brian Robinson, if he can grab onto this role and, and continue to to push Antonio Gibson out of the picture, I mean, Brian Robinson has like, you know, 10 touchdown upside. I mean, and that's not, it's not crazy to say now his upside is going to be limited in fantasy by the fact that he's going to lose, uh, you know, all kinds of target work to JD McKissick, just as Antonio Gibson was beforehand. Um, but Brian Robinson now is is very, very much draftable in the mid to late rounds. Yeah. And the reason you didn't hear a lot about Brian Robinson kind of during the draft process and during the dynasty process was because he played five years of college football. And there's a lot of data out there that five-year players in college football do not pan out very often in the NFL. Even four-year players do not pan out very often in the NFL. However, we're talking about for this year and this year only. And also, you know, I'm no scout, but Brian Robinson was very effective in the SEC last year. I don't mm -hmm. know if you had any micro takes of what you thought of Brian Robinson coming out of college Evan. I mean I think that it's just that he's a, a between the tackles grinder primarily um but I mean he's you know this is a, a replaceable position in the NFL he was successful at the highest level of college football and I, I mean they're and the uh, commanders have a pretty good offensive line it's kind of underrated at this point they had a really good year up front last year and the return I think all the guys mm -hmm. so um it's an opportunity-driven position. We know that. And Brian Robinson right now has the opportunity. Antonio Gibson is losing his opportunity. Speaking of the commanders, you know, I thought it was somewhat notable that the primary three-wide receiver set was what we expected. Jahan Dotson was out there for 22 out of Carson Wentz's 22 snaps. Of course, Terry McLaurin was out there for 19 or 20 of them. And then Curtis Samuel was healthy enough to play around 20 snaps with Wentz in that first preseason game. We haven't talked a lot about Jahan Dotson. Shout out. Penn State, they use first round draft capital on Jahan mm -hmm. Dotson and he's playing every snap. I mean, that right there is enough for me to think that he's undervalued. He's going in like the 130s, Absolutely. 140s, 150s. I just released my favorite flyers in the draft kit. Uh, hopefully you guys have the draft kit and you're able to see that. I did have Jahan Dotson in there in my favorite flyers, aka players that I like taking after round 10. Have we been underselling Jahan Dotson maybe, Evan? I think that the analysis of Brian Robinson is similar to the analysis of Jahan Dotson because Jahan Dotson was a four-year player, had a late breakout age, and these have kind of become the way that dynasty analysts evaluate players. And dynasty analysis can absolutely bleed into redraft stuff because, I mean, at this point, everybody's playing all the stuff. You know, everybody's playing the best ball. Everybody's, you know taking a, a shot here and there at a high stakes league, playing dynasty. You know I mean? This is, 
you know, the, the fantasy football is like on the up and up, you know, and it continues to be, um, and people love it. Um, and, but, you know, they, but sometimes they, the analysis goes a little bit too far. I mean, with Jahan Dotson, he, yeah, I mean, it wasn't just first round draft cap. It was like top half of the first round yeah. draft capital. He was highly, highly productive his final season at Penn state. But again, he had these, you know, he played four years. He broke out late. He's a little bit older. And so therefore, you know, the, the spreadsheet socialists and, and the dynasty virgins are going to downgrade him for that. But we know that opportunity drives fantasy production, and you know, most specifically in the near term. And again, Jahan Dotson, like he's going to play like every He played more first team snaps than did Terry McLaurin yep. in the preseason open. Every single one for Jahan Dotson. By the way, shout out to Amico who runs the dynasty portion for us. Amico was been on fire. I mean, he was high on Brian Robinson. He was higher on, on Romeo Dubs and low on Christian Watson. And then like, he's just like, one data point is not everything. Just because Brian Robinson mm -hmm. was there for five years, just because Jahan Dotson was there for four years, that's not mm -hmm. everything. And so shout out to Amico for being ahead yeah. of the curve. It's almost like the commanders actually went out of their way to target more experienced, more mature players in their draft. Uh, so I don't, I'm, I'm not really holding that against him, at least in the near term. I, I can totally get aboard, get on board with, you know, Jahan Dotson maybe having limited upside because of the lot of a lot of the factors, you know, in the long term. A lot of the factors that he brings to the table same with brian robinson but these guys have near-term opportunity like you know they're they're very draftable um in redraft let's go to the chiefs i mean the story of the preseason has been isaiah pacheco's rise and i thought that the chiefs were going to keep four running backs speculation right now from both the athletic uh nate taylor and airhead pride pete sweeney who i think are two of the best at covering the chiefs they're both projecting the chiefs to only keep three running backs on their roster now, and they're both projecting it to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Isaiah Pacheco, and Jarek McKinnon, i.e. Ronald Jones not going to be on the team. And I don't know if that's for sure. That's speculation. That's a projection. That's the projection mm -hmm. right now. What we know for sure, though, is that Isaiah Pacheco was the second running back in the game with the Mahomes group. Alaire started, got seven snaps. Pacheco comes in next, and Jarek McKinnon wraps it up with one snap. Rojo didn't play at all with the Mahomes group. Now, there's some danger out here. I mean, seventh round picks are mm -hmm. so unlikely to be good. We've seen it with Darwin Thompson before. A lot of hype around Darwin Thompson and Chiefs running back did not pan out. I'm, I, I talked about it on Market Monday yesterday if you want my deeper take on it, but I'm treading carefully with Pacheco in sharper leagues. In home leagues, though, he's probably like free. So I don't know, Evan, what's your current take on the Chiefs backfield? Moved Pacheco into the back end of the top 150 um, and moved Ronald Jones out of the top 150. Um, so I'm just kind of I'm just chasing the news and the reports and, and, and the speculation from, you know, knowledgeable speculators mm -hmm. at this point. Isaiah Pacheco played at Rutgers. He got benched at one point, but he also runs four, three, eight at 216 pounds. OK, and he's entering one of the best offenses in the league in a depth chart where. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has shown him to has shown himself to be a very pedestrian talent. Ronald Jones looks like he's out of the picture. You know, Derek Gore is like more of like a special teamer, clear cut backup. Jarek McKinnon, you know, is very athletic and had over 300 total yards in three playoff games last year, but has not shown the ability to stay healthy for an extended period of time. He's also starting to get a little old. So there is like, I mean, you squint a little bit. There's a lot of opportunity here for Pacheco. And I think he's, you know, at this point, absolutely a late round dart throw. Speaking of, the Chiefs, um, Patrick Mahomes played 11 snaps. Juju was on for all 11. MVS was on for nine. Hardman mixed in for four. 
Justin Watson got one. Sky Moore didn't get any. You know, I'm not ready to ding Sky Moore at all for this. A lot of times they make rookies earn it, although Pacheco did get to play with the mm-hmm. first group, which makes that even more um, impressive. But yeah, I mean, if you guys have been listening, you know that I and I think we have been really high on Juju throughout this whole process. He has a really good role report from Nate Taylor that he's been the best wide receiver in camp. Any further thoughts there on Juju, MVS, Hardman, Sky, anything like that? Um. Yeah, it looks like Juju, MVS are locked in to two receiver sets, and then they're still kind of giving, holding out some hope that McCall Hardman can be that number three sort of deep threat, you know, do, you know, I don't know, 50% of what Tyreek Hill could do. Um, It'll just be interesting to see as the preseason progresses, can Sky Moore jump into that top three? I think he absolutely can. I mean, looking at some of the – the training camp videos on him. The dude is an explosive route runner. You want to talk about some thighs. I know you lo- love to talk about men's thighs, Adam. <laughs> um, Sky Moore has got some sick, sick quads. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and he's, and and he's and wearing he number 24, move. so he looks like a running back. I know. I know. Yeah. It's so weird. But, yeah. um, but I, I mean, it looks like he looks really good on the practice field. And I think it's just a matter of time before he climbs into the top three. That's the thing, like people who say preseason snap counts don't matter. Like you can't just say that. There's some nuance to it. We agree. Mm-hmm. Sky Moore not playing any snaps in the homes group doesn't really matter. We agree with that. We also agree that Isaiah Pacheco getting second team snaps with the getting the second running back in snaps with the Mahomes group does matter, you know? So it, it, there's there's nuance to it. I hate when people just make blanket statements. Right. Let's go to or talk or start talking about like, you know, that year that the Lions went 0-16 and they went undefeated in the in the preseason. Yeah. Like we're not talking about preseason one loss records. Okay. We're talking, I mean, this is this is a sport. Anybody that has played a sport, especially football, like you know that there's like a first team, a second team, a third team, and the coach is like, you know, second team, we're you know, we're out here. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, as as you practice and you compete, like guys might get opportunities to play ahead of other guys. But I mean, this is a real thing. Like they're running out the ones and the twos and the threes and, you know, players are competing out there, but this is, this is our starting point is the first preseason week. Every time I tweet about preseason, there's some idiot and and there's some people that I used to think were sharp. I mean, some idiot comes back and says, Oh yeah, Justin Jefferson was behind BC Johnson. I mean, listen guys, we can't say this every single time and just throw out everything that we learned. First of all, Justin Jefferson was, an awesome prospect who was getting good camp reports. There were no preseason games that year. It was COVID year. There were no preseason games. And BC yeah. Johnson was ahead. And it, yeah, the Vikings made a mistake. BC Johnson was ahead, you know, but still, like, that wasn't a reason not to take Justin Jefferson. It was just true. BC Johnson was ahead of them. We can't keep going back to that every time. It's a totally, mm-hmm. totally different situation. Yeah, your, your one anecdotal example, like, doesn't hold a, a whole lot of weight here. Let's go to the Alvin Kamara news. And, and, you know, we've been on this. I know Evan's been on this for a while. Schefter confirmed, went on uh, ESPN and said, it looks more and more unlikely any suspension will be this season on Alvin Kamara. I think it just carries a little bit more weight when Schefter goes on national television and says it. And now I have people Mm -hmm. asking, well, hold on. If that's true, shouldn't Alvin Kamara be going in the first round? Shouldn't Alvin Kamara be going early in the second round? And I do get the case for that. Evan, how high... Have you gotten Alvin Kamara now in the 150? I think he's 17 or 18 overall, and I'm just – I'm sticking with him there. Um, You know, we had Nick Underhill, one of the best beat writers in the nation, covers the Saints, like you wouldn't believe, on on his website, neworleans.football. He came – he's you know, the the days of Alvin Kamara catching 80 passes are over. But but he can still get to 60, and he can still be a a dynamic player with the ball in his hands. It's just – 
The offense is is changing a little bit. There's no Sean Payton. Jameis Winston is a, a different style of passer than was Drew Brees. We may see some Taysom Hill under center at some point. Um, you know, I, I I like Alvin Kamara as a pick, but I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he's a mid second rounder. So I'm I'm leaving him at in that 17 and 19 range. Yeah, and, and totally agree that efficiency, fragility is higher with Sean Payton now gone and also target competition. I mean, Michael Thomas, Alave, and Jarvis Landry all out there together. They're going to earn targets, man. I mean, those yeah. guys can all earn targets for sure. Yeah, last year's three receiver set of Traquan Smith, Deontay Hardy, and uh, Marquez Callaway, like, got all moved to the second team. Yeah, they're, they're essentially replacing their first team receiver core. So, yeah, the target competition is much, much stiffer this year. I will say, I mean, Kamara gets the touches that I think are the most valuable. He's going to catch passes. He's going to be around the goal line, you know, and so he can have some huge games for sure. And, and yeah, I like having him in that 15, 16, 17, 18 range. Let's go to Lions stuff. So I think it was as expected. Jared Goff got uh, 10 snaps. DeAndre Swift, 6 out of 10. Uh, Jamal Williams, 4 out of 10. I mean, no one, when we were projecting DeAndre Swift as a really good early second round, even late first round pick, no one was saying that Jamal Williams was going to go away. But we should be aware that DeAndre Swift is going to come off the field at times. I just think the high-value touches are going to go to DeAndre Swift. He did run in a touchdown. Swift got four carries on those six um, snaps. So any response to the Swift-J-Will stuff after we got a little bit of a look at it? Uh, I think it's largely to be expected. Um, and, I mean, there, there's also some truth to the fact that, hey, you know, not banging DeAndre Swift between the tackles – you know, down after down after down is probably, you know, it's good for his chances of staying healthy, uh, which has been a, a little bit of a problem for him early in his career. I mean, Jamal Williams is just one of those guys, like he's going to get on the field because the coaches love him. He can pass protect. He doesn't fumble. You know, he he does things that the coaches like, and he's, he's, he's going to play. I mean, um, I did a, a draft with Herzig, Justin Herzig, earlier this offseason, and, I mean, he he's like – no one wants to take Jamal Williams. I will absolutely, absolutely take him as my RB4, RB5, like every single time because he's probably going to get 150 touches. Um, and he's going to take some of the, the wear and tear away from DeAndre Swift. Look, you know, it's hard to find guys like Christian McCaffrey that, you know, I mean, it, it's impossible really yeah. to find guys like Christian McCaffrey that get every single touch in the backfield. For sure, yeah. And Jamal Williams goes so, so, so late. I think in some of those best ball drafts, like what Herzig and you were doing, I think it makes sense. The other note I had on the Lions was, I mean, I don't know why people have a problem with Amon Ra. Like, we've been high on Amon Ra throughout this whole process. I don't see any reason to come off and play 10 of 10 snaps, obviously all in the slot with Jared Goff. And, like, he has so much, like, chemistry with Jared Goff already. And Amon Ra can clearly, really, really play. Jameson Williams yep. not back for a while now. And so I, I still like Amon Ra, one of my favorite, you know, mid-round wide receiver picks for sure. Definitely. High floor and I think plenty of upside. I mean, he's – he riffs with Jared Goff that, and that stuff matters in the middle of the field. Jared Goff, very willing, you know, tall pocket passer, very willing to rip it in the middle of the field. Like we saw with Cooper cup with the Rams and, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown's role in the Detroit offense. Speaking of a changing role, uh, Evan was on this. We talked about it a week or two ago. Mike Jasicki's stuff last year, Mike Jasicki was essentially an oversized wide receiver. It was only in line 11.9% of the time in the first preseason game with Mike McDaniel now in charge we saw the change start to happen. Five out of his nine snaps were in line. Now, some people make an argument, this is better. He'll get more snaps against linebackers and safeties instead of corners. That's the Kyle Pitts argument. Like the Kyle Pitts argument is we want him in line more so he gets matched up with linebackers and safeties. I just don't know if this is right or good for Jasicki 
I don't think he really can win in line. He's always, even going back to Penn State, the reputation of him was always like, he's too soft mm-hmm. for yeah. that. Um, I've kind of just scratched Jasicki off my board based on all this stuff. And I like some other back end tight ends more. What do you think about Jasicki now? Uh, he's been DND for, for me. Do not draft like the entire time. Uh, I just started uh, last night. I got a, a, a big head start on the, uh, the shy way top 30 and he's absolutely on it. Um, that should be out by Thursday night. Um, Jasicki, I mean, first of all, I mean, the, the, really the, the, one of the biggest problems is that this offense is just going to flow, flow through Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Those guys are going to be tar- target monsters, and then everybody else is kind of going to be fighting for scraps. But when Mike Jasicki's out there, he's like a tell to the defense because Dolphins probably aren't going to run behind him because he can't block. You know, and, and that's going to be a real big problem for uh, Mike McDaniel. It comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree, absolutely believes in, you know, having that that uh, that high-efficiency outside zone running game. Uh, and Mike Jasicki is going to be a problem in that style of offense. I, I think as the season progresses, I mean, I, I think there's a chance that he opens the season, he's just like a, like a fully part-time player. Yep. Let's go to staying in the AFC East, the Jets running back stuff. So, um, I've been high on Brees Hall. I know I've been higher than Evan on Brees Hall. I do think he's a really good prospect with high draft cap on those guys play and are typically successful. But Michael Carter did start the first preseason game. The first group played roughly 20 snaps and, and Zach Wilson obviously left with injury. We were tracking this based on how long they left the starting offensive line in. So Michael Carter started, got 10 of the 20 first team snaps. Brees Hall came in after, got 10 of 20. Also, they were never on the field together. I think my mm. takeaway from this really wasn't to move Brees Hall down because I'm not betting on Brees Hall for week one. It, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to see, I want to have Brees Hall in November and December, but I am kind of tempted to take Michael Carter in some of these like zero RB builds where I don't have a lot of running back and I don't have Brees Hall. And maybe Michael Carter has a bigger role than we expect. I know some very sharp people have been on Michael Carter in the best ball stuff. Maybe I've undersold Michael Carter throughout this process. Evan, what do you think about the Jets running back stuff? Um, I think I've been about in line with ADP when it comes to Brees Hall um, and Michael Carter, probably the same. I think it, it's very possible that they open the season in a, a, a nearly even rotation as part of a bad offense. Uh, I mean, their quarterback like might not be ready for week one. Yeah, They, they may come out the gates like with Joe Flacco uh, yeah. starting. I mean, that, that's like a realistic possibility. Apparently Joe Flacco has been playing well in training camp as well. I mean, They've got weapons. They, you know, they've taken measures to upgrade their offense. It might sucks that they lost Mackay back then, but they went out and signed Dwayne Brown, um, which I think was an awesome pickup at this stage of training camp. Um, Zach Wilson was so bad last year. I know I I keep coming back to Zach Wilson. We're we're talking about the RBs, but the offense is just right now difficult to trust because you've got two running backs, you know, squarely in the mix for, for touches. You've got three receivers. They've got three tight ends that they can trot out. I mean, the fourth receiver is Braxton Berrios, you know, who's of a, a, a very solid slot receiver. Um, and then you have quarterback uncertainty. I, it's just, ah, I, it, it's, they're, they're a tough team for me to invest heavily in. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, that's totally fair. I will say, yeah. Brandon, when we had Brandon on, he said he thought that Dwayne Brown would not be that big of a downgrade off of Makai Becton. And so that was certainly a really good signing for them. Second thing that I would say is, Last preseason, uh, we were projecting Joe Flacco to like 
barely play or play, you know, two series or something like that. Joe Flacco ended up playing a quarter and I mean, lit us up. I mean, right down yeah. our throat. Joe Flacco was <laughs> on fire. I think I lost every cent that night because other people played Joe Flacco and I was like, I'm not playing 40 year old Joe Flacco in a preseason game. He balled out. And so it doesn't shock me that much that he looks good in camp. I think the regular season may be a different story for Joe Flacco yeah. when the bullets are flying, but yeah, yeah, he's at least capable. Yeah. I mean, is he better than Zach Wilson right now? Oh God. Uh, here we I go. mean, I know. I, all right, let's move on to the next topic. The milf hunter. Okay. <laughs> uh, so James Robinson didn't play. James Robinson's coming off the Achilles tear. James Robinson has been cleared to do some seven on seven work. I think he's like on track, which is miraculous considering it's only been eight months roughly since mm-hmm. his Achilles tear. But with, with James Robinson out, Trevor Lawrence played 25 snaps. Travis Etienne was in for 22 of them, all six third down snaps. He got all five of the snaps inside the 10. And I get this is going to look totally different when James Robinson was there, but at least the Jaguars showed like some willingness to use Travis Etienne as a workhorse in this first preseason game. So I was encouraged by that. Obviously, a lot of Etienne's ranking and projection is going to come down to how healthy you think James Robinson is. But what did you think of Etienne's preseason debut and anything else with the Jaguars running backs? Liked it. I mean, like, you know, Travis Etienne, I have him as a top 15 RB right now. Um, Might go back and look and see if I can move him up higher. I mean, he's definitely a player. And you've talked talked about this at, at nauseum, really that he's the archetype, the exact type of archetype of, of running back that you want to draft because he has, I mean, legit like 70 reception upside. I mean, he caught a ton of balls at Clemson. He's got, you know, that that rapport, that shower narrative with Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, the Jaguars are a team that I think could absolutely take a significant leap yeah. this year. They don't play in a particularly difficult division. They got a huge coaching staff upgrade. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a prime candidate for a sophomore leap. Yeah, agreed. One of my favorite two quarterback uh, targets and two quarterback leagues is Trevor Lawrence Definitely. for sure. Definitely. Uh, speaking of that, he's, he's still coming like real cheap. I mean, oh, he's yeah, very cheap. cheap in drafts. Yeah, totally cheap. And yeah, Christian Kirk is cheap also. I mean, they're all cheap. I think Zay Jones is an interesting sleeper. I actually did a best ball last night where I took Zay Jones. But anyways, um, Texan stuff. You know, Zach Mills only played seven snaps. I've been having my eye on Brevin Jordan just because I think he's an interesting prospect at a position where I'm looking to spend really cheaply in DFS. And Brevin Jordan did play on six of seven snaps with Davis Mills. Pharaoh Brown was only in for two. I mean, given their situation, and I like Nico a lot, I think Brandon Cooks is solid, although he's gotten very expensive. But they did not mm-hmm. have much behind him. It's only it's crazy. I think Brevin Jordan could be like second on the team in targets this year. I think it's totally insane. I'm not saying that anybody in one tight end league should be like falling over themselves to take Brevin mm-hmm. Jordan, but for DFS and stuff, I thought it was at least interesting. Any comments on Brevin Jordan? I would say that the loss of John Mechie also supports Brevin Jordan potentially having a much bigger role than we might've anticipated, um, you know, a month or so ago. Yep. Let's go to the Colts. Uh, Frank Reich, you know, and he's been saying this all off season and I don't want to overreact to this, but you know, there was an article on ESPN. He said, one of the quotes was, you don't see teams that have this ground and pound run game win championships. He also said, ideally, you know, Jonathan Taylor won't lead the league in carries or touches this year. I mean, Frank Reich's been saying this and Frank Reich knows that you throw to win football games. Now that he has Matt Ryan, now that they have Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell is healthy and they have Mo Alley, like, and they have Hines who they want to have a bigger role. You can find ways to make them way more pass heavy. I'm just not sure like when the bullets are flying, JT is such an awesome player that they won't go back 
to feeding JT. Still, Evan and I both had JT fourth overall in our rankings, and I think we were ahead of this kind of schematic philosophy change. And so I didn't really make any changes. Still think JT is a no-brainer top four and fourth overall pick for me. But yeah, any response to the Frank Wright quotes? I actually have Jonathan Taylor number two at this point. I keep shuffling these guys in, in our, you know, our four-player first tier yep. all around. Um, continue to consider moving Cooper Cup behind Justin Jefferson, but now Matthew Stafford's been practicing. Yep. And, you know, if, if they if they were really truly worried about Matthew Stafford missing time, like he wouldn't be throwing right now. They'd, they'd have him totally shut down. But, um, no, I mean, the comments are – I mean, he's just – he's stating a fact. Uh, but also – but it's also true that – to you know maximize your your team you know i mean you you have to adjust for your personnel and they have one of the best running backs in the league they've got three badass offensive linemen two offensive linemen that are a little shakier than they've had uh in, in years past but still a team that can absolutely pound it down your throat um jonathan taylor's awesome michael pittman's really good too so i, I do like to hear it for the case of michael pittman mm-hmm. who we are higher than adp on um, but I think, yeah, when, when push comes to shove, like, and, and no one knows this either more than, than Frank Reich, who was in Philadelphia when they changed their offense on the fly to, because they had great tight ends and they had shit wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you adjust your offense to maximize the strengths of your personnel, minimize the weaknesses of your personnel. And the personnel still suggests that yeah, Matt Ryan's old. You know, but they, they've got a pretty good offensive line. they got a great back. I mean, they, he's going to get a, a ton of touch. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. For sure. Uh, staying in that division, the Damian Pierce hype, and I also uh, highlighted Damian Pierce in my favorite Flyers article, and I was kind of upset that he's getting so much hype right now because I thought that he was a really sneaky sleeper. I mean, Marlon Mack is coming off of an Achilles tear, could not find the field in Indy last year. Rex Burkhead, who I'll forever love, uh, was part of my 250K team. But let's be honest, Rex Burkhead is 32 years old a journeyman pass catcher at this point, unless forced into a feature role. Damian Pierce is another one of these guys that I don't think the dynasty bros necessarily loved, but I could see Damian Pierce having a real big role real early. And all the beat writer rhetoric is like, if the Texans want to put their best players on the field, Damian Pierce is going to start. And so anytime you have that, I understand it's not a high upside, like spot Texans starting running back, but man, when he's going like one thirties, one forties, I'm taking Damian Pierce every time there. Any thoughts on the Houston backfield? I had Damian Pierce like irresponsibly high throughout the entire, uh, you know, pre-draft process or the, the the process leading into the first week of preseason. I, I I kept thinking about like, should I move him down? Like I'm like freaking forty spots ahead of ADP on him because he was in the, he was in my top one hundred, um, and I, I did actually move him down. I didn't move him down positionally, but I moved him down like lower than like some receivers and quarterbacks or something like that. But then I just after the first preseason, I mean he's he's a stud, man. I mean he yeah. can catch passes. He uh, was an excellent runner at, at Florida, and he um, and Dan Mullen was a real problem as as the coach of the Gators. I mean guys were consistently underutilized that that were better than the players that were. It was almost like Dan Mullen played favorites at Florida, and no, I remember Josh Norris beating the drum for for Damian Pierce, mm-hmm. very 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 early in the process, like before the actual NFL draft. So I went and looked at him. I was like, man, yeah, this guy absolutely has talent. I mean, he's got feature back size, feature back uh, 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 workout metrics, and feature back receiving capability. And we saw it. I mean, he's a supreme talent, and I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, we we were talking about him 
like a while ago, we, we, we or at least I, I put a bet on him to win rookie of the year. I think yeah. at 50 to one at one point. I mean, he's, he's a guy I want to get like on all my teams and I'm willing to draft him as early as like the eighth round right now. And it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of weeks, he's like, like a fifth or sixth rounder like that, that would not yeah. surprise me. That, that sounds really high to me for a Texans running back who people are going to say, Oh, Marlon Max and Rex Burke. Cause there you can get Damian Pierce now for sure. in like ninth or 10th round, like easily. And in home leagues, he'll go, he'll go even later. So be sure to watch the ADPs on there. I will be getting out the uh, abusing the default rankings article into the draft kit. Uh, as soon as I can try to time that for as many people as I can, because the ADPs are always changing. But yeah, stay tuned for that. The other thing I'd say about Damian Pierce is again, most underrated quarterback offensive coordinator to do in the league, Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton, in my opinion. Also, oh. uh, Brandon mentioned that he kind of likes the Texans offensive line mm-hmm. uh, as a, a line that could take a leap this year. Speaking of hype, man, I mean, it's all well and good. George Pickens is like breaking Twitter. I mean, everybody oh wants to yeah. be on George Pickens now. Very clear. I mean, I don't think we're, we're saying anything new. If George Pickens had not torn his ACL, he would have been the number one wide receiver in this class. He would have likely been a top 15 pick. He has been the star of Steelers camp. I gave my take on him yesterday on Market Monday. Evan, what's your take on the hype train on George Pickens? Because now, I mean, even casual people know about George Pickens now. He's going to be going real high. It's crazy how good Georgia was like without George Pickens because he barely played football the last two seasons. And um, he's a baller. He's got swag. He's an incredible route runner. I mean, he's, he's a pro ready route runner and he can make contested catches. And that's something that the Steelers beat writers have noted. What's the difference between Chase Claypool and George Pickens is that George Pickens Pickens goes up and gets it. Um, So I think it's a a little bit of, I I think it's definitely a concern for Chase Claypool. And I also think it's somewhat a concern for uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, who I I dropped a little bit in my rankings and George Pickens moved way up. Um, I mean, he's, you know, I, I don't want to be shy about some of these rookies that yeah. look so pro ready. Like, and it's not just the first preseason game because he balled out in the fir- first preseason game, but it has been a steady drumbeat of George Pickens crushing it every single day in camp. The quarterback situation is a problem, but it already sounds like all the quarterbacks trust George Pickens. Um, I'm, I don't, the dude looks sensational. I think I was high on Chase Claypool maybe a month or two ago, and I have backed off that yeah. thanks to George Pickens. I mean, Chase Claypool had his problems last year, even got benched at some points behind some dust balls. And so if they have a guy like George Pickens, I could easily see in two wide receiver sets, Claypool taking a seat behind George Pickens. And so, yeah, I, you know, I'll take the L, I think, on Chase Claypool and being high on him like I was maybe a month or two ago. Um, a small one here, but, you know, I think – the Josh McDaniels installing a James White role in Las Vegas is real. In other words, yep. everybody knows in New England, Josh McDaniels always used a strict pass down back. It was typically James White. Now it looks like it's going to be either Amir Abdullah or Kenyon Drake. I don't think it's going to be Josh Jacobs. And so the Hall of Fame game stuff with Josh Jacobs didn't bother me, but he is like a dead zone running back to me because he's oh, not yeah. going to have a real pass catching role. That's going to go to the James White role, Abdullah or Drake. And then also like around the goal line, I think they're going to be more throw heavy they have really good weapons. I mean, Renfro, Adams, Waller around the red zone have all been successful in there. So I think you won't see as many red zone carries, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've both been out on Josh Jacobs, but this was just like the final nail in the coffin for me with the Amir Abdullah stuff. Any more comments on that? Yeah, I've been out out on Josh Jacobs for years at this point. <laughs> um, I, I do kind of like Zamir White uh, as a late round pick. He's in the top 150. 
not going to put Amir Abdullah in the top 150. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly going to use a, a backfield of specialized roles, which is something that I think that the Patriots organization believed in and the Patriots organization, like essentially relocated to Las Vegas this off season. Uh, Giants three wide receivers said there's Tony rested, but the clear three wide receiver set was Wendell Robinson, Kenny Galladay, and Colin Johnson. You know, Kenny Galladay looks awful out there. Yeah, We've been kind so of debating bad. this, but he's so cheap, man. I mean, he goes in like the 13th or 14th round, does Kenny Galladay, which like strikes me as insane to me, though. That's like the best argument for him. I think there's a chance he was like just a product of Matthew Stafford, who clearly makes fantasy wide receivers. I mean, Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup both went totally nuke and insane with Matthew Stafford. Obviously, different story with uh, Daniel Jones. So to me, it's been Tony. It's been Wandale that I'm taking. I have not taken as much Galladay. But man, in the 13th, 14th round, I'm still no. tempted. Any more thoughts on Giants? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do <laughs> it. Another steady drum beat has been that the Giants offenses just look terrible in yeah. training camp. Um, you know, the beat writers are trying to downplay the fact that Brian Dable said that Tyrod Taylor is going to get some first team reps. Uh, but, but, you know, Danny Dimes just, it hasn't been there for him so far. And maybe it's, you know, Wink Martindale, the, the new DC is throwing tough, tough stuff at him or Brian Dable wants to see them proactively struggle in training camp or, you know, just a variety of, of reasons. But I think it's, I don't know. I wouldn't touch Kenny Galladay. He's definitely going to be on the shy away. He's already actually, he's already on the shy away and he's out of the top 150. I, I, I wouldn't touch him. Uh, I will say, I thought Daniel Jones looked pretty capable and decent to good in the, in the first, first preseason, preseason game. game. Yeah, you know, he did. he did. And so I don't know when you're going against your own defense, you know, maybe it's a little bit choppy. You're learning a new scheme. I'm just obviously like grasping at anything because if Daniel Jones like doesn't make it through the year uh, this year, uh, you know, I'm going to need a loan. So uh, we're going to need him to play all 17 games. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think something we can definitely agree on here is that Wandale and Kadarius Tony are going to have monster roles. They're going to run high percentage routes. And I moved up Saquon Barkley into a draftable region because before in the top 150, he wasn't in a, in a, he was in a region where you would never get him if you were using the top 150. But yeah. now he's in a firmly draftable region because apparently he's looked really, really good. So far in training camp, he's going to have a big role in the passing game, you know, um, and we, we know that, you know, if, if he regains, regains that like vertical explosiveness to, to the point where he can start hitting those long runs again, like look out. And, and I do like the, the, the improvement of the Giants offensive line. I mean, Brandon having them at number 23 overall, that's not, you know, it's not even top half of the league. That's way better than what they've been for the last several years. Yeah, I've been in drafts lately and Saquon's gone in round one. I mean, it's like he's really, really steaming up there. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's getting harder and harder to get Saquon. I certainly still like him. All right, Evan, maybe we've, we've buried the lead here. I'm actually kind of sick of talking about Traylon Burks, honestly. Like, I, I gave my take on, on Traylon Burks. I have no idea if he's going to be good. Current signs right now are that he doesn't look like he's going to be that good and it does not look like he's going to be good early. But I still think they have to play him a ton because they just have no one else. But mm -hmm. we should, uh, it is our responsibility to tell the people he played behind Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook-Kine, who sat out, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath, Kyle Phillips. They all got in the game before Traylon Burks. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to like freak out about that. Again, I think Traylon Burks is going to play and play a ton this year, just like every other sign right now besides his potential for playing time to me does not look great. And so he's ADP is obviously buried. I, I'm tired of talking about this, Evan. I don't know. Do you have anything more you want to say about Traylon Burks? 
No, I just uh, you know want to just reel reel back and dunk on Leone uh, when <laughs> when it comes to Traylon Burks. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, you know he he's got the draft capital. He's got the theoretical talent. I mean, he was very very productive at Arkansas. It's just when you examine how he got his production at Arkansas, it's sketchy, you know. Um, and then you know he shows up the conditioning and the asthma stuff during the off season. And now he's playing behind Kyle Phillips and Racy McMath, you know, and it's just, um, and, and it's also not an offense, not a passing offense that is conducive to, you know, a, a lot of production in, in the passing game for the pass catchers. So <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I, I, if, if his ADP begins to plummet to a point where, you know, he's going like eighth, ninth, 10th round, I can see it. Um, but I mean, there's no way that I'm taking him any anywhere before that. Yep. Uh, James White news is finally official, and we've been talking about this for what seems like five months. This is what started us on the Ramondre Stevenson uh, campaign was just this massive uh, position on Ramondre Stevenson was partly due because we didn't expect James White to play due to the hip issue that came true this past week. Officially retired, did James White, and now the you know the beat writers are saying, well. Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery is 29 years old on his fifth NFL team. Ramondre, meanwhile, is repping in the James White role. The, the coaches keep talking about how well he's been doing as a pass catcher. And so, again, I, we can't stop talking about this for the last four months. But Ramondre Stevenson, a share of early down work and the James White role is just like a total smash. And so I don't think there's anything new mm -hmm. here, Evan. We've been on, uh, ahead of this, thankfully, on yeah. Ramondre. Anything else on James White's retirement? Yeah, Bill Belichick. Uh... Bill Belichick going out of his way to talk up Ramondre Stevenson's pass protection. I mean, that's something that you you love to hear. Pass protection mm -hmm. doesn't correlate to fantasy statistics. I mean, on a weekly basis, like a, a running back, if he gets nine blitz pickups in a game, that's a ton, you know, and that's out of like what 65 snaps um, or, you know, let's say that he's playing 45 snaps. You know, it's, it's, it's not, that doesn't translate to fan, but it gets, it, it earns coaches trust. It earns the trust of quarterbacks. And it gets players on the field. And that's what we like to hear when a running back is performing well in blitz protection. Um, that, that's a, a, always a very good time. Bill, Bill Belichick does not go out of his way to praise particular traits of his own players. So I just, I loved hearing that. Uh, last one to hit here today. Will Fuller, sad times, pour one out for Will Fuller. He has been removed from Evans. Top 150. Evan, tell the people, I mean... Well, ever since that magical, like, first 10 games of the 2020 season, I guess it was, it's been mm -hmm. all downhill for Will mm -hmm. Fuller. Missed all of last year with a weird finger thing. Now, no one's really heard from Will Fuller, even though there's some teams that could really, really use his skill set, I oh, think. Yeah. But, yeah, go ahead on why you move Will Fuller from the 150. Because as we edge closer to the season, guys that aren't signed should move down the rankings. Um, I guess it's possible that Will Fuller uh, could um, – you know, could could sign like right before the season, but there have been no indications of that. And there have actually been more indications that Will Fuller is kind of done playing football than there have been that he's like, you know, his agents out there talking to teams. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I'd still be willing to take him like in the 20th round of like a, a best ball, um, you know, but I, 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 I he, he doesn't belong in the top 150 right now. 
Yeah, agreed. And also in, in redraft, it might even be better. Well, it, it's good in, in, in best ball for sure, because now you're getting unique. He's not even getting drafted sometimes mm-hmm. in best ball. But in redraft, like if you take him, you hold him for a couple of weeks. If he doesn't sign by week one, you know, just dump him. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that's also fine mm-hmm. because there's some teams that could really use his skill set. I think, as Evan said, the question is, does he want to play football? But like a one year, $8 million deal to go play for like the Cowboys or something. I mean, that would be pure sex, you know, and, and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to sit here and turn down one year, 8 million, but then again, I don't have to go get my head bashed in by like, exactly. you know, 240 pounds safety yeah. and stuff like that. So, and I mean that last contract that he had uh, in Houston, I think it was one year, 10 million guaranteed. Like you could retire on that. You know? So sure. yeah. Hashtag how rich. Okay. That is going to do it for this very busy look back at top 150 rankings changes and news to catch up with all of Evan's top 150 and his change log for his rankings. Be sure you have our draft kit. It is up on the subscribe page. We'll be back tomorrow to talk all things auction with one of our favorite guests, Jack Hahn, longtime auction specialist at the highest stakes. Stay tuned for that. For, for Bruce Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.